All right, fruit of the Spirit, go. Yes. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Okay, you guys are good. You guys got the first one. Are you going to do them in a, are, you, are we going to do them in order? Are we Are going to do the dots? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, Dana just said that. I have to do them in order because I can't do them like sporadically and move around because I'll leave one out. There's nine of them. And uh, it's like one time I got pulled over. I've, I've been pulled over a couple times in my life. The first time ever, I was uh, 16 years old, and I, I had a little Toyota truck, and I had really cool wheels on it, of course. I haven't changed that much, I guess. I had big blue fuzzy dice hanging down off, off the, and this feather thing, it was really cool to me. Everybody else was like. And I had a Dixie horn on my, a little trigger thing my dad helped me hook up. And so, you know the Dixie horn? That's what I had on my truck. Super loud. It was a Dukes of Hazard thing. I was a total fan of Bo and Duke and that whole thing. So, had that on my truck, leaving my workplace in Renton, Jack in the Box, about 11 o'clock at night. Hit the button. I always honked my horn when I left work. And there was a cop. He spun right in behind me on Rainier Avenue in Renton. Pull me over. First question he asked me, how much you been drinking? And I said, I, and I just had a milkshake because I worked at Jack in the Box. I got $2.20 worth of food, free. It bought you basically a milkshake. And um, so I had a milkshake. And I said, this is all I've been drinking. He said, well, I want you to prove it to me. Recite the alphabet backwards. I said, and I, you know, Okay, we'll stop that story. I have a hard enough time saying the alphabet forward, let alone saying that I could say Z, but then I have to like say the whole thing. X, Y, Z. Okay, Z, Y, X. You know, and then, yeah, anyways, this is the whole thing. So it's kind of like with the fruit of the Spirit. When we say the fruits of the Spirit, it's hard for us just to pick. We have to kind of say them in order. So let's say them in order. Love. What is that? What? Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, so we kind of, yeah, we kind of did that. That's not bad. The fruit of the Spirit. And out of all those fruit, and we're not going to, don't vocalize this, we're not going to share our weaknesses this morning, even though that is biblical. Did you guys know that? To come together and share our weaknesses with one another, that is a biblical thing. Because when we do that, what does the Bible say? There's healing in that. When we share our weaknesses. We're not going to do that right now. But I encourage you to do that in a place where you feel safe. With a group of people who love Jesus. And who are walking with you and going the same direction. I encourage you to get together and to share your joys. But also to share your weaknesses as well. And to experience freedom in Christ. Out of all the fruits of the Spirit. Which one would you say, this is what I struggle with the most? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Which one do I struggle with? Don't say it out loud unless you want to. How about patience? Let's just pick on one. Jesus, I love the fruit of the Spirit, except for that one. But you realize the fruit of the Spirit is one fruit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's one fruit. 
you are a follower of Jesus, he pours into you. And the fruit of your life, the things that will come out of you, are these things. Do we love? Do we have joy? See, now I'm doing it again. Peace. And are we patient? I'm not very patient when I drive. For some reason, you can just ask people who have driven with me before. I'm not as polite as Toby. Toby, when he's in a car, he calls him citizen. Hey, citizen. You know, when he gets cut off, hey, citizen. <laughs> and I always thought that was cool until I showed up at his house one day because I know what he's saying. I know code word for citizen is kind of like idiot <laughs> or moron. So one day I show up at Toby's house and I walk in the door and you know what he greets me with? Hey, citizen. <laughs> Anyways, same word. I hope different meaning. Patience. How do we deal with patience? Our God is patient. And he calls us to be like him. And we're going to be in our Bibles today. We're going to look at chapter 3 in 2 Peter. And we're going to see that our God is patient. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We would love to get a Bible to you. Maybe some of you this morning, you cry out to God and like, God, would you do something in me? God, would you like restore me? Would you help me? Would you rescue me? Anybody ever pray those prayers? Yeah. I call those David prayers because David prayed those prayers. God, he would say, God, hear me. I need you to answer me. And I want to read one to you. Go ahead and turn in your Bible to Psalm 86. I know I said 2 Peter. We're going to get there eventually this morning. But Psalm 86, this is a David prayer. David was experiencing a tough time in his life, and he cries out to God, cries out to a patient God. Psalm 86, page 508, if you have a black church Bible. And he says this. This is David praying to God. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. You have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord. For I put my trust in you, and you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, among the little g gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great, and you do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. And David just goes on. And what he's doing is he's reminding himself who his God is in the midst of his own impatience. I mean, I've prayed those prayers. God, do you understand what's going on? <laughs> and it sounds so bizarre right now for me to stand, stand here before you and say to God, do you understand what's going on in my, in my life right now? I mean, I've said that out loud to him. I mean, really loud, out loud to him. But our God is patient, and he's patient with a purpose for us. 
And as David would pray these prayers, he's reminding himself, do you keep noticing this? He's, he cries out, God, you are, and he just reminds himself, God, you are the faithful one. God, you are good. God, you do love me. And it's in the midst of those times where we can be honest with God. How often are we honest with him? He sees our heart. He knows us. But I think sometimes we have this, like Ashley said this morning, we kind of have our guards up. And he, it's so funny because he just looks right past that guard and says, I see you. I know you. Having our guard up with him does nothing except harm us. So we're going to talk about patience. Turn into your Bibles now to 2 Peter chapter 3, page 1052. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. This is a big chunk, but I want to read it. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's coming. Dear friends, this is my second letter to you. This is Peter writing to the church. I've written both of them as a reminder, as reminders to stimulate, to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires, they will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. This is what they will say. But they will deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water by water. <laughs> by these waters also the world of all that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So much in this passage to unpack. We're only going to look at a couple major things this morning. You can chew it up the rest of the week. Peter is telling us that we need to be ready because Jesus is coming back. We need to be ready. And then he reminds us that even in the midst of devastation, even in the midst of coming judgment, that God is a patient God. And we truly see God's heart because it's not God's heart, his fatherly heart, that anyone would die without him. That we would all come to know him. So he tells us the church to be ready. Well, what are we supposed to be doing to be ready for Jesus' return? You know, we are living in the last days. And I know they've been saying that for 2,000 years. And we should. We should have an expectancy that Jesus is coming back because he told us that he's coming back. And so there's this expectation like, okay, Jesus, you're coming back. But what are we supposed to do with that? Are we supposed to just hunker down and wait? Are we supposed to worry? Are we supposed to be fearful? Are we supposed to all of the above? 
Or are we supposed to follow him? Because his Holy Spirit has been given to us and is still leading us today to do the work that he's called each one of us as his followers to do. So how can we get ready? We need to be doing what he's asked us to do. And for some of us that have been around the church for a while, we get it. We understand like, okay, yeah, but then maybe what if I'm brand new and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing? I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing. So I just want to cover a couple passages of Scripture today. And this is what Jesus said that we're supposed to be doing. I mean, right before he goes up into heaven, Jesus' final words is, go, go and make disciples. And that's kind of a churchy word for us. I like to use the word follower at times. Go and make followers. Go and introduce people to me, is what Jesus said. Tell people about me, that I came to save them. And the reason why I'm going, Jesus said, because he died, we, they saw him die on the cross. They saw him after he was resurrected from the dead, and Jesus was with them for over a month. But then they were literally saw him ascend into heaven. In front of them, they saw this. And right as Jesus is saying that, he says, I am going because I, if, I, if I don't go, I cannot send the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus limited himself to humanity. Being fully God, he could only, Jesus still could only be at one place at one time. Now, when he was at that place, miracles happened all the time in one place. But now with the Holy Spirit, miracles can happen anywhere, everywhere, all the time. Because of the presence of God is now everywhere all the time. And as he goes, he says, I want you to go. And I want you to make disciples. And I want you to baptize them. And why baptism? Because you are baptizing people into new life. That's what baptism is. It's new life now in Christ. My old self, when you go under the water, we don't sprinkle here. If you want to sprinkle, we'll have a splash fight out there in the park. That's fine. But when we baptize here, we go fully under. Because it's a picture of us dying to ourselves. And saying, that is my old self. That's not me. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus now. I'm going to live for his kingdom now. And they, you, we bring you up out of the water, and there's a celebration in the house. Because now you are a follower of Jesus, right? And you will be obedient to what he's called you to do. And then Jesus says, now tell people what you know about me. Now, when I, as I share this, and I get it, I've been to a lot of conferences. I've been around for a long time. You can just see it in my face. I'm very gray. So I've been around for a while. And I've heard the passage in Matthew chapter 28 spoken all, for years, almost to the point that I and we become callous to the Great Commission. God, what am I supposed to do as a follower of Jesus? Jesus made it really clear. Go and tell people about me and teach them what you know about me. You don't have to go to school. Oh, I'm going to step on toes in the denominations. You don't have to go to school for years and years and years to be able to tell people about Jesus. You need to walk with Jesus yourself and then share the things that he's sharing with you. Give those things away. Man, I read this passage the other day, and I just want to sit down and talk to you about it. 
as a friend. It's just simple stuff like that. You don't have to be up on stage with a microphone strapped to your face to be able to share the love of Jesus with people. Our command, our calling is to go wherever we go and make disciples. And I believe what has happened in the American church, at least from what I see, is we have really made our faith in Christ about us. Okay, I'm saved now. I'm rescued now. I have new life now. And that's where we leave it. But what did Jesus tell us? What is the other thing that we're supposed to do? Right before he went up into heaven, just days before, somebody approached him and said, God, what are, Jesus, what are we supposed to be doing? What is the, if, I, if I'm supposed to do something for you, like what is the greatest commandment? If you had to like narrow it down, is what they were saying to Jesus. And he did narrow it down. I mean, we're reading through Leviticus right now. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for whittling it down for us. And he whittles that whole chunk, that much right there, down to two commandments for us as followers of Christ. And that is to love God with all our hearts and to love him how we live with all our mind, soul, body, and strength. Love God. That's the first commandment as a follower of Christ. And then what happens to us? That's where we stop. God, I love you. That's awesome. I'm saved. Great. But what was the second command? Jesus gave two commands. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Have we done that? Do we even know our neighbor? I'm guilty. I know some of my neighbors, but I don't know all my neighbors. I know the neighbor that has the barking dog <laughs> that I don't even like to be outside because that dog will bark for hours and it will annoy me. And I can go into more about that and in my flesh I get frustrated but there's a lot going on behind the scenes in that house. So I need to look past me and my inconvenience. Why is that dog barking outside by itself? Because the owner inside is passed out and broken. It's looking past what we see and out of our inconveniences that Jesus says, I want you to go Yes, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. When I grew up, there's a, one of my spiritual mentors uh, was a man named Craig Esfel. He still pastors today. Um, he's almost in his 80s. Pastors out in Kent. Haven't talked to him for years. Um, but I remember him telling a story about a a hospital, and in the wing of the hospital, that's where they put all the terminal patients. They're all dying from various things. And we are like one of those terminal patients in that hospital wing. And for some reason, we are chosen, and we're given this antidote, this medicine, and it completely heals us. Completely heals us. 
We're set free. We're secure. Our future is bright. And with that freedom, with that healing, we understand that the antidote is free. We're healed. We're set free. We're, we're healthy and whole. While Meanwhile, everybody around us is terminally ill. We find out that the antidote is free. There's plenty of it. And it would be just like us walking out of that hospital free and clear with a bright future and leaving everybody else to die. It's ridiculous to think of it that way. But isn't that what we do as a church, as the church, as followers of Christ? We have been set free. We were on death row. We were terminally ill spiritually. Jesus enlightens us, shows us, calls us. We're healed. We're made whole. And we get up. We know he is the answer. But we shut our mouths and we walk right out the door and live the rest of our lives we should be going to every hospital bed in that room and saying, I have this, take this. Jesus is your medicine. Do we love our neighbors as ourselves? How many of you know that when you become a Christian and you follow Jesus, that you are called into ministry? It's not just a select few. Every single one of us, as we say yes to Jesus, he calls you into ministry. He says, come follow me just like he did to his disciples. Come, follow me. Go everywhere, Jesus says, and make disciples. Baptize them into new life. Teach them what you know about me, Jesus says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, verse 21 says this. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled, who made things right for us to himself through Christ. And then gave us what? He gave us that ministry of reconciliation. So here's the good news. I think it's good news. You're all in the ministry if you're a follower of Jesus. It is good news. You don't need anything else but Jesus. You don't need the degree. Now the degree sometimes helps you. I have things on my wall in my office that reminds me that I'm called to do what I'm supposed to do because there are days where, whoo, am I called to Home Depot? Can I work at Home Depot? And so I have those things on my wall to remind me this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what God's called me to do. What has God called you to do? He's called us into the ministry of reconciliation going from one hospital bed to the other and telling people about Jesus. Now, for some of you, that might be, yeah, okay, I need to go to the hospital. Bethel Church in California has a ministry to the local hospital. They go weekly, room by room, and anoint people and pray for them, and they, experience, they see healing. Not all the time, but they do see healing and restoration and salvation so they literally are going hospital bed to hospital bed. But spiritually, everyone we come into contact with that doesn't know Jesus, they are terminally ill spiritually. And Jesus says without him, they do not have a bright future on the other side. It's a horrible place. But as we read in this passage from Peter, 
It's not God's heart for anyone to die without Him. So our calling is to go and to share and to live lives that will reflect Him. Reading again in First or 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He, was, he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. So we're in the ministry of reconciliation, and we've give, we are to give the message of reconciliation, and that is that Jesus loves you, that he gave his life for you, and that he offers life. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. I love that. We represent him. We have been given authority by him to represent him. As though God were making his appeal through us, we employ you on Christ's behalf, Paul says. Be reconciled to God. So first of all, we need to be reconciled with God. We need to be walking with God. I call it our personal pursuit of Jesus. We, each one of us, as followers of Christ, need to be personally pursuing him. And then Paul reminds us, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, we don't go, we don't share, we don't do these things to earn spiritual awards. Back in the day, we'd call them brownie points. No, we go and share and love and care for people because that is the fruit of the Spirit flowing through us. No, we don't have to check boxes. We don't have to go by the dots. We need to follow Jesus and go where he is going and do what he is leading us to do. And he tells us to love him with everything that we have, to love those around us. So important. Verse 1 Peter says this, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them to remind, as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. The English Standard Version says, Stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. God's Word translation said, I'm writing this to refresh your memory. I'm a basic guy. I like that one. Just refresh my memory. Help me. Help me remember, God, why I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. The Message Bible says that Peter writes these things, to hold your minds in a state of undistracted attention. That takes me a little while to get my head around that one, but I really like that one. God, bring me to the place where I'm not distracted. Bring me to the place where when I receive the scam-likely calls, I don't jump to those things. I don't get distracted by those things, but I am paying attention to the things that you want me to know, and I'm doing the things that you want me to do. Wholesome thinking, sincere minds, refreshed memories, undis undistracted attention. Peter tells him, remember who you are in Christ. That's, if you go back and read 1 Peter, then you read his second letter. He's reminding us who we are in him. As followers of Christ, this is who you are. 
You're made in His image, Genesis chapter 1. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139. You're saved by grace, Ephesians 2. You're new creations, we just read about that in 2 Corinthians 5. We are His, John 10, Psalm 100. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. Read the book of Acts, the whole book. 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians 6, Ephesians 5, we're filled. He doesn't leave us alone and leave us on our own. He fills us fresh. We prayed about that this morning. God, would you fill us fresh? In fact, can we stop just for a moment? Close your eyes with me. And if that is your prayer today, right now, God, would you fill me fresh? God, we're tired of going through the dots, the checklists, the do's and don'ts. We simply want to follow you, Jesus. You are God. You will make the way. You have the right path for us. So we simply follow you. Would you fill us fresh? And if that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, stand up, come up, jump up and down. I'm just going to say, would you have an honest conversation with him? And if that is the longing of your heart, just say, God, fill me fresh. And maybe you can't even get out the words, but he knows already. Just be real with him. Be honest with him. Now, for those of us that follow Jesus, there will be scoffers. The word we use today are haters. There will be haters. But that doesn't mean that it takes away our calling. In fact, it should confirm our calling even more. When we're pressing into Jesus, and I've said this, what, 20 years ago, there will be wind. There will be a pushback. There will be haters. There will be doubters. And what, what were the doubters saying back in the day? In Peter's day? They were saying, Jesus isn't coming back. Where is his coming? He promised he'd come back. I don't see it. But remember, Peter was an eyewitness and and heard Jesus say he was an ear witness. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come back. What are people saying now? What are the doubters, what are the haters telling us now? Saying to us now, God, what God? Which God? I always start with, well, the God who was at the beginning. That'll blow your mind with the God who was at the beginning, because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then I take them to the God who loves us so much that he was willing to sacrifice for us. And to give us his firstborn son for us, his only son for us, so that we can have life in him. The other thing haters will say today is, well, there's all kinds of different ways to get to heaven, aren't there? Well, not according to Jesus. And that might sound really harsh to some of us this morning. Because Jesus is, well, what does the Bible say about God? God is love. God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But God is still God. And it's his way. And he says, if you want to know me, then you're going to go through my son, Jesus. If you want to have life, it's in Jesus. There's no other way. And Jesus actually said that. 
He said, I am the way. When they're trying to question, okay, so how do we get to heaven? We want to go to heaven. How do we get there? And Jesus said, I'm the way. If you want to know truth, because there's a lot of truth, and what we say now today is what my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth. That's what is said today. I don't believe that's the truth. Because Jesus said that he was the truth, that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. If you want to have life, it's in Jesus. And that's not harsh. That's actually good news because we don't have to look all over the place. We just have to look to one place, and that's we look to Jesus. And many of the scoffers and haters say, PK, Kevin, you are just, this is too simple. You're simple-minded. Yes, I am. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And instead of looking at that harshly, I look at that as a gift. It's very simple and it's very clear. I am the way, Jesus said. So let's follow him. He is the way. And there are even scoffers and haters today, doubters that say, well, yeah, we've heard about this coming. We've heard about Jesus coming back, the rapture. Well, what's that going to look like? You got two more hours? And we'll, we won't even touch the, hardly touch the topic in two hours. But I have a few scriptures I want to read to you about Jesus coming back. Behold, he is coming with the clouds in Revelation chapter 1. And every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. All the tribes, all the people of the earth will wail on account of him. And Hebrews says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with the sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Church, are we eagerly waiting for him? And then Jesus says, But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. I mean, we ask that question, Jesus, when are you coming back? Here's the good news. It is good news. No one knows. We're just told to be ready. Jesus said, I don't even know when I'm coming back. Only the Father who will send me back knows. That's baffling to me because Jesus is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But even in there, the character of God there are things that God the Father only knows. Our responsibility is, again, to eagerly wait for him and be ready. John 14, and I talked about this before, but Jesus said, And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you will also be. Matthew chapter 24 then will appear in heaven a, the Son, a sign, the Son of Man. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn. Why will they mourn? Because they missed it. They're looking everywhere else except for the simple answer, Jesus. They will mourn because they're going to say, was it really that simple? They will mourn because they chose, they heard the good news of Jesus and they chose to walk away from it and do their own thing. 
That's why they will mourn. Because they will see the Son of Man. They will see Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. See, when Jesus first came, he didn't come in power. He didn't come in glory. He came in absolute humility and was born amongst manure. I mean, think about it. We clean it up, but it was, <laughs> I'm not going to use that word. Um, there was stuff all over the place. That's where God chose to show up. But when Jesus comes back, church, he's not going to come that way. Because now everyone knows that he is the way. And so he will come back in power and in glory. And so he tells us to be ready. Church, we're to be ready. Don't hunker down. Don't hide and wait. But be out there. Go and make disciples. We should be in our communities sharing the love of Jesus, going from person to person and letting the Holy Spirit flow through us. You're standing in the Safeway line. You're in the most awkward place in the world. You're standing in an elevator. Isn't that weird when you're getting in an elevator? Anybody else? I mean, you're like talking out in the lobby. You're, everybody's talking. And it's like crazy. It's, it's loud. It's confusing. And everybody walks into the elevator. The door's closing. And everybody stares at the panel like, I can't wait for that door to open. And I'm not saying to stop the elevator and say, hey, i got to tell you about Jesus now. <laughs> Man, if you do that, get that on video for me, because that would be really cool. <laughs> but if the Lord says to tell people about Jesus in the elevator, then do it. The Bible says that we don't have to worry about the things that we're supposed to say, because the Holy Spirit will speak through us. I mean, I spend hours on this stuff. It's crazy. I worry about this stuff. I mean, I got highlights and stuff all over. Look at this. It's ridiculous. We don't have to worry about what we're going to say because the Holy Spirit will speak to us. He knows the need of the person on the elevator right next to us more than we do. He knows the need of my neighbor who has the barking dog. And instead of getting frustrated and irritated about it, I should pray for him. I need to feed that dog, do something. Got to figure that out. But I need to pray for the man in that house. He's not in a good place. And sometimes we see people's lives and we experience them. And we only see the outside. If you were here yesterday, you saw the outside of somebody up here. We had a memorial service yesterday. I was thinking, I'm going to wait to share that story. I can't wait. That's just me. Ron Layton, who was... Callie was my youth assistant. She was more than an assistant. She was a pastor. She is a pastor still. We worked together for 11 years serving wildfire here. She's an amazing person. Her husband, Ron, was an amazing servant of God. Well, he passed away recently, so the service was here yesterday. Ron worked in the shipyards. The shipyards. You think construction workers are bad. Now go to the shipyards. Swearing like a sailor, you've heard that term before? These are sailors who work on the boats. But one of the guys showed up yesterday to honor his friend who passed away. And the way he processed the losing of his friend, he was actually like a hero. He was way younger than Ron, about 30 years younger than Ron. 
But the only way he knew what to do was to drink. Not Gatorade, but to drink pretty serious stuff. And when I opened up the time for open mic, which is what the family wanted, as I was like kind of joking around, like, hey, we'll mute you if we have to, and we'll put on the music, and we'll, you know, he was already up here, loud, grabs the mic, and starts dropping the F-bombs right here. You should have saw the faces of people in this room. Probably should have saw my face. And what was God was doing for me personally in that moment? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think years ago, in fact, I know years ago, I would have been offended by that. What are you doing in this church dropping the F-bomb? I mean, not once, not even twice, but multiple times as he's proclaiming his love for Ron Layton and what an awesome man he was. The only words that he could express was the F-bomb. And he was here. Many of you experienced that. Back in the coffee area with cookies, out in the parking lot. And I went out and talked to him. His name is Rudy. And he's just broken because what happens here is now he sees that this life ends someday. That is a sobering, and I use that word seriously, that is a sobering thought. And most people don't want to think about that, so they do the opposite. I don't want to be sober and think about it. So instead of get offended by that, we need to look past what is coming on the outside and we look at the broken heart inside. And God says through Peter here, that is not his will for anybody to die without him. Man, that is the true father's heart. That is a true father's heart. And I pray for Rudy. I'm not offended by his F-bombs on stage. He shared from his heart. Now, as a follower of Jesus, when he says, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, we'll talk about that a little bit, that there's different ways you can express yourself. But right now, I want him to know Jesus. And for him to be able to walk in here and feel safe enough to come forward and share his heart, it was radical. It was crazy. But are we willing to do that, church? I'm serious here. Are we willing to let broken people come in here? Because I got news for you. We're all broken in here. If you think you're not broken, we need to have a conversation. We need to get real with God. We are broken. Now, we are redeemed. We're saved. We're healed. We're set free. We have everything that we need to live this life for him. Yes. But are there still struggles? Yes. Is there still brokenness? Yes. And that's why Peter tells us that God is patient. God's timing is not our timing, doggone it. Because to God, a day is like a thousand, a thousand years. No, don't tell me that. God, I, want, I need an answer now. I don't have a thousand years. Well, actually, I do. Because I believe in Jesus, and the promise is I get to go to heaven, and I'll be alive in a thousand years. Not here, but there. I don't even know where to point, because we always say heaven's there, but I don't think heaven's there. Heaven's there somewhere. Heaven's with him. And we will live for eternity with him.
if we say yes to him. Peter tells us to be ready. And my question for us, church, are you ready? Are we eagerly waiting for Jesus to return? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing for him? Are we loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are we living for his kingdom? Because he says if we live for his kingdom, if we seek his kingdom first, everything else will literally fall into place. God, how do you do that? I don't know how he does that. I just know he does. That if you seek him, if you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, he would just make everything fall into place. Now, now I want to say this. They might not fall into the places you want them to fall into. But they will fall into place. You'll be living in his plan now, not your plan. So church, we need to be ready for his return. We need to be living for him. We need to have his life flowing through us to our friends and our family and our neighbors and the people that we come in contact with, even the people in the elevator. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, it's a simple invitation. He just says, come and follow me. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know anything except for, I want to follow you. I need to follow you. I said, you think the disciples in the Bible had it figured out when Jesus said, come follow me? They didn't have a clue. When Jesus died, even three years with Jesus, Jesus speaking to them every single day for three years, they still didn't have a clue. They still didn't know exactly what was going on. But they followed him. And that's what the invitation to you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, but there's something going on inside you and you're like longing, like, I, I need to. I need to follow him. He'll take care of everything else. Will it be glorious? Yes. Will it be difficult? Yes. I'm not going to promise you it won't be difficult. In fact, I heard this week some miracle things that are going on in Southern California right now. Um, this young lady comes into the church and her life is, the life choices that she's made um, are difficult. And now she's given her heart to Jesus. And I remember this, in this pastor, in fact, her name is Kathy Laurie, Greg Laurie's wife. And this is what she said. This poor girl's life is going to be a train wreck now that she follows, is going to follow Jesus. Because of a bunch of these decisions that she's made, now God is going to have to work through those, but it's going to get messy. But here's the deal. I just want to say, here's the deal. With Jesus, it's okay to be messy. Because he'll take care of it. He'll clean those places that need to be cleaned up. And he'll take care of those things. He will redeem the time. And you just, you blink and you're like, wow, how did that happen? We serve a God who is a promise keeper. That he is faithful to us. So stand with me this morning. And I just want to say, if you need prayer for anything, I invite you as you're standing, would you come forward? Just as you're standing, would you come forward?
I know there's people here that would love to pray for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus before and you want to do that, please grab one of us and talk to one of us before you go home. If you're watching from at home and, and you want to say yes to Jesus, reach out to us. We'll reach back, I promise. I'll give your heart to Jesus. You don't have to be in this room to give your life to Jesus. You can do that right now. Wherever you're at, whatever's going on, you can say yes to Jesus. So God, we commit to be ready. For those of us that have said yes to you, we commit to be ready. We obey your command of say, to go and to do what you've asked us to do, and that's to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbors, to make disciples and teaching them what we know about you. And you'll take care of the rest, Jesus. Work in us, Lord God. Help us to not be distracted by the things of this world, but to have hearts and eyes set on you. Give us eyes to see past the rough edges of people, of our neighbors, of our family, and even our friends. Help us to meet the need deep down inside their heart, just like you did, Jesus, when you talked to people. You look past all the front stuff, all the pretty, and you looked right down into the depths, and you spoke to the depths. Through your Holy Spirit, God, help us to speak to the depths this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, we'd love to pray for you this morning. If you would like to come forward, uh, we'd love to do that. And um, Dana already left to go out there, just get ready for the purse project. So if you want to stick around and help us pack a few purses that are going to be shipped to Zambia, uh, to the girls over there, we'll explain a little bit more. We would love for you to stick around. Um, thanks for being here today. Uh, we'll see you next week. Okay.